Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. This is a problem. This is a huge deal. This is a problem. And James is coming back to this idea. Guys, 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 listen. Yeah, you got to get this. If you say it, you got to display it. Have you ever noticed how children can have mannerisms just like their parents? Speech, gestures, even the way they walk can look just like a parent. The old saying is, they come by it naturally, meaning they inherited that trait from a parent. Well, spiritually speaking, God has expectations that His children will take on His mannerisms. But these traits don't come naturally. They come supernaturally. There are so many people that have turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to Christianity because of people that they have known that professed faith in Jesus Christ. But their actions in that person's life were so counter to that supposed belief that they swore off Christianity in general and just said, if that's Christianity, no thank you. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today, Pastor Clay is taking us to the second half of James chapter 3. We're working our way through the book of James as part of a bigger series entitled Building on the Basics. We're going to be working our way not only through the book of James, but also through First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John, and the book of Jude. The authors of each of those books gives us basic instructions and information we need as followers of Jesus. Today in James 3, we're going to find the author emphasizing what is clear been the theme of his entire letter, and that is that our faith must prove itself through actions, or it's not really faith at all. What would James say? Come on, are you kidding me? I'm telling you, that's what James would say. Are you kidding me? What, what, what do I really believe? What do I really believe? Because if I believe it, I'll show it. This is an important study and an opportunity for each of us to examine our faith in light of what James says it should look like. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. Hey, uh, y'all hear the the Pope is coming to America? Yeah, right? uh, uh, Is it next week? It's mid-September sometime. I I think he's scheduled to come to, uh, to New York and uh, Philadelphia, and uh, one other city. I, I, think, I think it's all on the East Coast. Um, but, as you might imagine, uh, in honor of the Pope's coming, uh, street vendors have already begun to get kind of creative about the Pope's uh, appearance in town. I was reading about uh, that uh, some street vendors are going to be selling uh, statues of the Pope uh, made out of mozzarella cheese. 20 bucks a pop for a statue of the Pope Made out of mozzarella cheese. I'm not making that up. That's, that's the truth. Um, uh, what else? Oh, there was going to be, uh, there, in Philadelphia, they're doing a Pope bobblehead doll, but they're kind of doing the uh, Rocky, uh, Rocky kind of play on it or something. So I guess the Pope that looks like Rocky, you know, standing, you know, I don't, I don't know, but that's what it is. Uh, so, yeah, you know, America, we'd come up with all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, they're even, um, in some of the cities, they're coming out with uh, some beers uh, in honor of the Pope's uh, president. I'm not making this up. Uh, one of them is uh, Papal Pleasure is the name of one of the beers that's coming out. Uh, another one, uh, this is my favorite one, another one is called Yopo, which stands for You Only Pope Once. That, that's, that's the truth. And uh, I think in New York... Uh, they're, they're selling t-shirts that says, the Pope is my homeboy. So, the, 
People, you know, people are going to come up with stuff, right? I mean, right? People are going to... People are going to come up with... People do... Do y'all know people do crazy stuff? People do crazy stuff. But I, but I would argue that, that what they do is natural, in a sense, uh, to them. I, I was reading about this lady in China. She was... Uh, let's see, the article said she was um, uh, detained and um, assisted or something like that. Apparently, she was trying to board a a flight somewhere in China, or she was in Beijing trying to board a flight to somewhere else, and she had a bottle of cognac with her. And uh, I don't know how much cognac costs, but this bottle, apparently, it's a fairly expensive bottle of cognac. It was valued at about 200 bucks uh, US, which in China, I think, would be, you know, like 600,000 yuan or something. But anyway, um, but the problem was the bottle that she had exceeded the limits the Chinese the air, uh, would, would let fly. Uh, the maximum is 100 milliliters, I think, and the bottle was 700 milliliters. And so she was informed she either had to get rid of the bottle or uh, she couldn't get on the flight. So she proceeds to down the whole bottle uh, right there in the airport, drinks the entire bottle of cognac in the airport, and they find her um, passed out there in front of the gate. Uh, in, in which, in where she is declared uh, too drunk to board the flight anyway. So she, she didn't even get on the flight and probably had a pretty huge hangover as a result of, of trying to get on the flight. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. I was reading about this guy, uh, Michael May, Lincoln County, Kentucky. This was last month. Uh, Lincoln County, Kentucky, he, he was uh, arrested last month uh, when he was caught trying to dig up uh, his father's grave in the cemetery. And his reason, and he told, he told the people, the police or whatever, that his father had been dead for 30 years, but he was trying to dig up his father's grave because he wanted to, he wanted to argue with his father about something. Talk about wanting to get the last word in. Man, that is unbelievable. And then oh, it, was, it was interesting, the article, in parentheses, the article said uh, alcohol was an influence in the decision to dig, dig him up. You think? You think? I don't know. Crazy. And then, this alcohol is not related to this one, but as a professor, an MIT, an MIT professor, uh, I forget the guy's name, but uh, he, the, uh, in July, he was sentenced to one year in prison for robbing uh, a bank of, I think it was a Bank of America, or some bank in New York City. He was given a year in prison, and what made this story crazy, was that he filmed the entire robbery, he filmed himself, filmed the robbery, filmed the whole thing, and when the police caught up with him, he said that this was really just, uh, uh, he didn't call this, but he called it reality art. He wasn't really robbing the bank, it was reality art. Um, The the problem was he had had done this reality art a month earlier in another bank, and uh, so I don't know whether, which which is crazier, the, the fact that the guy filmed his entire thing of, of robbing a bank and then tried to use the ploy that it was actually, it was actually just living art that he was doing. I don't know if that's crazier or the fact that he only got one year in jail for it. That's, either one seems crazy to me. But people do crazy stuff. They, they, they do stuff that, that seems unusual. But as I said a moment ago, uh, I wager that what they do, in a sense, is natural. Now, some of them may be under the influence of... Uh, of uh, other other things, but that what they do comes naturally uh, to them. James is talking about that in this in this letter, and it's coming up 
a lot, this, this idea that we're going to discuss again today. Uh, he, I know in a sense it sounds, I sound like, or if you read, you read it, it sounds like a, a broken record. But, but this, this apparently is a big deal as James writes this under the influence of the Holy Spirit, meaning God's directing him uh, to write this. But it's based on some observations that James has clearly made uh, about the church. The church meaning people that are professing faith in Jesus Christ. Y'all understand what I mean when I say the the church, not necessarily a building, but those people that profess faith in Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, you can open it to James chapter 3. That's where we were last week, where we are this week. And uh, I want to briefly read uh, the part that we read last week. I want to read it again because it deals with your speech. It deals with your tongue. And the reason I'm going to read it again, even though we covered that last week, is because that's one of those passages that we probably tend to skip over in our quiet time, you know, because it's too convicting. And so we don't want to read that, but I want to read it again, James chapter 3. And, and we're starting with this idea. And this is what I shared last week. If you're here, uh, you know what, what it was. But I started with this idea that we're, that we're looking at our, that trash talk, the reality of your speech, the reality of my speech. Okay, James chapter 3, text is, uh, of, of course, is on the screen as well. Uh, but let me read uh, the verses that we dealt with last week and then we'll, we'll uh, get ready to move on. He says, let not many of you become teachers. Uh, my brethren, knowing that as such we, we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are, are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder. Whichever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a small fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. You see, James says that this is, this is crazy. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine, produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? James is building this argument for the absurdity of the idea that a person can, with their mouth, profess a belief in Jesus Christ, say, you know, sing the songs and do the, you know, all the, all the deal, do the deal, and then with their tongue go out and slam people or gossip or, or whatever that kind of stuff. He, he says, and he gives all these analogies over and over. He said, this is crazy. This, this should not be. Within the body of Christ, within believers, it should not be. And I, and I told you that, that there were some, some realities uh, about the tongue that James brings out. Just to, just to hit them, highlight them real quickly, we, started, we said this. First one was uh, that you're accountable for it. And, and, there, and you can go back and listen to the message. This whole ideal, yes, teachers, there's a greater accountability. And we talked about why that is. But the implication is that there's accountability for everybody. There may be a stricter one for teachers, 
but there's this idea of an accountability. You're accountable. I am accountable for what we say, for what, for, for, for what we, uh, uh, how we interact with others and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and again, just remind you, don't think of it just as, as what you hear audibly coming out of my mouth or your mouth or whatever. Uh, it's communication. It can be a, a text. It can be an email. It can be a tweet. It can be a Facebook post. It can be, you know, a myriad of, of different ways and different things. But it's that idea that, uh, that, that God has an expectation. God's holding us accountable for that. And that ought to be a sobering thought to us. Second, uh, we said that, that it is powerful. And that's clear if you read through the text. And I mean... It, you know, it's, uh, ship is this giant thing, and yet it can be steered by this, by just this little rudder. Yeah, the tongue might look small, like your might not look like, but it is a big deal. It is powerful, and connected to that, it is also destructive. And he gives the analogy of the fire and all that stuff. And I was watching again last night on the news, and the, just the fires out west, and just you know, hundreds of thousands of acres being being burnt up, often just starting with a single spark or a dropped match, or just. And James says that's the tongue. And it can be so destructive. And, I, and some of you, if you're here last week, you remember I asked you, how many of you could think of an instance where you have been deeply hurt, cut to the quick, because of something someone said or wrote or, or something like that? And to reverse it again, how many of us have hurt somebody with our words oftentimes? It, it, it can be a destructive thing. Um, fourth, I, I said, uh, it uh, can't be humanly tamed. And that's what James says. You, nobody can tame the tongue. We can all clean up our speech or we can say, well, I'm, I'm going to try harder to do this, I'm going to do that. But, but ultimately, in the end, uh, in your own strength, your power, you're going to fail at this, at this thing. You really uh, can't do it. And then the last thing we said was it is revealing. It shows something about who we are as a person, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. And, and I happen to say that if this is an area that, that is a struggle for you, the tongue, the speech or your communication, the way you interact with others, what you say about them or to them or, you know, the language you use or that kind of stuff. If that's an area you struggle in, uh, then your, your speech is, is revealing uh, really maybe one of two things. One, one either, either you have an unregenerate tongue, meaning that you've never actually been born again. The, the Spirit of Christ never come to dwell within you, which is a possibility, uh, I don't know where everybody is spiritually. Or uh, it could mean that you have an uncontrolled tongue. There are people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe genuinely have a relationship with him. But they, they in, their, in their natural self, I'll talk more about that in a minute, in their natural self are controlling their tongue rather than the spirit of God controlling their tongue. Does that make sense? you understand what I'm, what I'm saying to you? What James is saying here? He says, watch out the tongue and it reveals a lot about yourself and who you are. And then I went through and I said, if you want to change these things, and I... And I, I all these things, you need to repent and, and uh, restrain and retrain and, you know, respond, all that kind of stuff. But really, it just comes down to this. one of the be- best things you can do. If you struggle with the tongue, here's something v- very simple for you. You, you, can, just, you can just remember, uh, remember this, WWJS, just, just WWJS, what would Jesus say? Uh, you can ask yourself that. Listen, when the, when the gossip train is pulling out of the station, y'all know what I'm talking about? At the lunch table, guys, or... At the water cooler, to use that euphemism, or, or whatever. When, when the gossip train is pulling out, ask God to bring to your remembrance that phrase, WWJS. And that's all you got to do. Say, man, how would Jesus, what would Jesus say in this, in this situation? And I'm telling you, that'll stop a lot of stuff. If, if you honestly, you know, if you just say, what would Jesus, would Jesus, would Jesus join on, jump on the gossip train? Yeah, probably not. Would Jesus try and stop the gossip train from pulling out of the station? Would he try and divert that? That convert, maybe he might do that. So uh, it's just kind of a good way, to, uh, just a good discipline to build into your life uh, to begin this process of, of 
controlling the tongue. Let, better yet, letting God control the tongue. Okay? Uh, that's, that's trash talk. And again, if you weren't here, go back, listen to that message. There's uh, some stuff hopefully in there that's profitable for you. That's trash talk. Now, let's talk walk. Let's talk walk. And uh, it looks like this. Truth walk, the reality of your life. And we're going to finish reading the rest of chapter 3. There's trash talk. It's the reality of your speech. There's truth walk. And it's the reality uh, of your life. Uh, pick it up again in verse 13. Uh, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him, watch this, show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, it's easy to see that the majority of this chapter, as it breaks down, originally it was just a letter, but it's been broken into chapters to make it easier for us to digest. Uh, it's easy to see that the majority of this chapter is focused on the tongue, and we understand why. Like I just said, it's a small thing, but it can cause all kinds of damage, all kinds of problems, all kinds of, of pain. But then we find, at the, towards the end of the chapter, James goes back again to this idea that he keeps bringing up, that it is your life overall, that it is in your uh, your faith being acted out that we really see what you really believe. This is this idea that he keeps coming back to. And like I said a moment, I know it sounds like a broken record. Again and again, he's going to this idea. And the reason he is, listen to me, is because James sees a problem. Even back then, James sees a problem in the church. And the problem that he keeps seeing is that there are people professing faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus, Son of God, uh, died on the cross, rose again on the third day. He's my Savior. Actually, I believe it. J James w was encountering people who claimed that belief system, but their actions were not compatible with the belief system that they claim they have. You, you understand what I'm saying? It, the... the, the the talk wasn't matching the walk. The walk wasn't matching the talk. And that is a huge problem, as you can understand for James. And, and, and I think you can probably understand it for us today. There are so many people that have turned away from uh, Christianity, turned a, a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to Christianity because of people that they have known that professed faith in Jesus Christ. But their actions in that person's life were so counter to that supposed belief that they swore off Christianity in general and just said, if that's Christianity, no thank you. I don't have, I, I met a guy like that. I tell you, I met a guy like that one time. I met a guy and uh, I was, I was pastoring another church at that time and uh, he, he worked in a plant somewhere or something and uh, he wasn't attending church and I invited him to come to church and he asked me the name of the church and I told him the name of the church where I was pastoring and he said, oh, he said, I, I know, uh, doesn't, doesn't so-and-so uh, go to that church? And I, I said, well, yeah, yes, he does. Now, this is cool. There's somebody he already knows, and that'll be a good connection for him. He said, I think he's a deacon, uh, one of your deacons down there. And I said, yes, yes, he is. He's one of my deacons down there. And he said, no, thank you. He said, if that's 
what Christianity looks like, I don't have anything to do with it. That's what he said. He said, I work with that. That's what he said. He said, I work with that guy. I see the real guy. You see the Sunday suit and tie guy. So, uh, so this is a problem. This is a huge deal. This is a problem. And James is coming back to this idea. Guys, 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 listen. Yeah, you got to get this. If you say it, you got to display it. <laughs> yeah, if you say it, you got to display it. Man, it's, you got you to show it if you, when you do this kind of stuff. James is coming back to the idea in chapter 2. Uh, you remember that, 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 that passage in uh, chapter 2, I think, verse, yeah, verse 18? I will show you my faith by my works. He's coming back to that idea again. I'll show you my faith by my works. And we know he's coming back to that idea because as he says... In, uh, in verse 14, uh, I think the latter part of verse 14, he says, let them show it. If, if they've got this godly wisdom, they've got this thing that's come down from above, if this faith is authentic and it's genuine, let them show it. Would y'all let, let, read that verse with me? Will you out loud, please? Thank you. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So James says, okay, cool. They're believers, that's all right. Let's see it. Let's see how that's played out and displayed in their life. And James begins to draw this, this distinction. I said I'd come to this. James begins to draw this sharp distinction, this, this uh, very clear difference between a natural person and a spiritual person. He, he begins to draw this distinction between them. Let, let's look at it. First, let's look at, let's look at the natural person. So he starts in, uh, in verse, first part of verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy... And selfish ambition in your heart. So it begins to describe some of the characteristics that you might see. But if you have self-bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. So in other words, he's describing the person that basically their life is about them. Their wants, their desires, their, uh, their, their, their life. And listen, it, it might, he or she might be a, a strong family person. They might be a, a, a great husband and, and dad, and might be, but it's still all about them. You understand what I'm saying? It's still about their family. It's about their life. It's about their home and their mortgage and their uh, job and, and his, uh, wherever he's trying to get in, in his career and, and all that. It's still uh, about them. It's, it's, it's a selfish ambition. Nothing wrong with having ambition in life. But this ambition that's based predominantly, it's about what I want, what I think. It's what, what I, sometimes... Uh, it's, We've got some, some of our students over here, and, and sometimes when I, when I talk with students, they're getting close to graduation, and, and, and I begin to, you know, what are you thinking? Where, what are you going to do? What are you, and, and I'll get lots of stuff, lots of times from lots of, well, you know, I don't know, I'm thinking about going to, to maybe college, or I'm thinking about the military, or thinking about this and that, and, you know, lots of different natural things that you'd expect to hear as a response. And, and every once in a while, I'll stop them, I'll say, what do you think God wants you to do with your life? And, and sometimes it's like, Oh, my goodness, I hadn't even ever thought about that. Um, it, it's, it's this idea that is it just, it's, just about, it's just about me. It's just about what I want. It's just about what, what I think. And James is saying that that's not characteristic of a person who actually has genuine, authentic faith in their life. Because followers of Jesus are called to live life radically different radically different. Now, I specifically use that word because I was thinking about this. Radical is a term that has fallen on hard times in our culture. Y'all know that? And we can understand for good reason because we hear phrases like radical jihadist and, and, and radical extremists who, who, who blow up women and children and cut off the heads of, of unarmed men 
And so, and so when you begin to throw out the term radical, people begin to, to look at you with perhaps with, with distrust or with uncertainty about, you know, why would you be radical? Why would, and so our culture has become a culture, really, where everybody basically is kind of supposed to be vanilla. Everybody's kind of supposed to be this. That's not a slam on vanilla if you like vanilla. But what I'm saying is everybody's kind of supposed to be the same. You know, you can't, can't be extreme, can't be too extreme or anything. Let's just all uh, go through this. And, and I'm sorry, followers of Jesus are called to be radical. We are called to live our life radically different from the way most of the world lives their life. Because the way most of the world lives their life is naturally. What comes naturally to them. And followers of Jesus are called to live life supernaturally. I'll explain more about that in a minute. But that, that is a radical concept to say that I'm not going to base it on, on my natural self. What I think or what I want or what I hope or who I want. Or, or that I'm going to actually make my decisions, live my life in a different way. That's a radical concept. And in God's eyes, that, that's, that's not a bad thing. And James goes on, and uh, in the latter part of verse 14, he says, do not be arrogant. He said, if that's, if that's you, well, we just saw 14, if that's you, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. So James certainly seems to be saying that there are people within the church who are saying one thing but displaying another thing. And, and, and he says, really, you're just lying. And really, you're just lying to yourself. Because you may even believe, he says, that possibly the people even believe that, oh, yeah, I, be, I believe in God. I believe in the whole Jesus. Yeah, I, be, I believe in it. And as James, if we looked at earlier, James said, let them show it if they actually believe it. Right? Because there's no place for it within the body of Christ. And then he goes on, I think, verse 15 and 16, he says, the wis- this wisdom, he says, if, that, if that's what your life, if that's what characterizes your life, if that's how you operate and you think, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is, would you say it with me? Earthly, natural, demonic. Not earthly, natural, and even even goes as far to say it has demonic influence to it. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. Sounds like some church business meetings I've been to. But he says, seriously, if, this, if that is what characterizes your life, if that's the way you operate, the way you think, he says, then you need to understand you didn't get that from God. And listen, forget about how you act at church or how I act at church. Forget about how we act at life group. He's saying, when you go home with your, with your spouse, when you go to school, when you do this, when you do that, that's when it really shows who you really are. He says, and if that's what characterizes your life, then, then, and James, he's just in your face. He says, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. Maybe you're lying to yourself, but you're lying. There's no, it's not there. It's not authentic, it's not genuine, it's not real faith. And then, watch this, real quickly, he contrasts the natural person then with the spiritual person. And he says, in verses 17 and 18, says, but the wisdom from above. So now, now here's, what, here's what it is. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James is saying, there it is, there he is, there she is, there's a follower of Jesus Christ, there's an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, that's what their life looks like. It is a life of, of purity, meaning desiring to live holy, separate, unlike the way nat- the natural world might make decisions. It is peaceable, it is gentle, it is reasonable, it is full of mercy, it is, and good fruits, it is unwavering, there's no hypocrisy in that life. The person, uh, what they say is what you see in their life. 
It says, there it is. That's what it looks like. That's what a person is who has an authentic, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And if it's not there, as he just said, it's, it's a lie. It's not true. Listen, James, let me, let me say this. James is saying all of this to get you and I and all of us, everybody that professes to be part of the body of Christ, he's saying this to get us to, to slow down and stop and look, look at my own life, to look at me and my own belief system and say, man, what, what, what do I really believe? What do I really believe? Because if I believe it, I will, I'll show it. Uh, yesterday evening, uh, before I went upstairs, Cindy and I were watching a little bit of the... Uh, uh, Tennessee Oklahoma game uh, in Neyland Stadium, you know, hundred thousand plus strong, and it's awesome. I mean, it's an unbelievable uh, environment. And uh, there were like ten thousand Oklahoma fans that they let in, and then everybody else was uh, a Vol fan. Yeah, and they're all in their orange and white, and they've got them. Me- I mean, they're in white section and orange section, and all. it's it's amazing. They believe in Tennessee football, and they show it. I mean, they are rabid, man. They're going crazy. You understand? It's, 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 it's a very simple analogy. It's just like, if, if, if this is who you are, then this is what you will look like. Uh, you guys remember uh, Warden Samuel uh, Norton from the Shawshank Redemption? You remember that? Remember? This guy probably epitomizes as much as anybody I think of. This guy probably epitomizes what James is talking about here in James chapter 3. If you've seen the movie, if you've seen Shaw, Shaw, Shawshank Redemption, uh, you may know that, that, uh, that the warden is uh, man, he, he's, he's, he's spouting scripture verses to inmates left and right. He's, uh, he's got scripture verses up on his wall. He's, he's got uh, you know, all this stuff everywhere. And, and he's, got this, he's got this thing when, he, when new inmates come in. This is his, his standing thing. I believe in two, two things, discipline in the Bible. And here you'll receive both. You, you just know he's the kind of guy that's in church every Sunday. And oh yeah, by the way, he's involved in all kinds of money laundering and, and uh, deceit and corruption and uh, even murder. His walk doesn't match his talk. If James, James to, to Warden Norton, he said, are you, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Okay, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a movie idea. Let's, let's, let's make it a, a little more real. Let's, let's bring it down to today. How about Josh Duggar? Now listen, listen. It makes me sick the way the media has, has painted or stereotyped the Duggar family in general and, and all Christians for that matter, to be honest with you. But you cannot, you cannot work for a, a conservative uh, moral value driven ministry and travel all over the country espousing biblical principles and denouncing non biblical lifestyle choices while at the same time having an account with a cheat on your wife internet based website. You, you, you can't do that. And if you think, well, well geez, Clay, nobody's perfect, I'll, I'll get to that. But you can't, you can't do that. You can't denounce the practice of homosexuality and then go text your, your, your hookup for the night. What would James say? Come on. Are you kidding me? I'm telling you, that's what James would say. Are you kidding me? Okay, so that's real world. But how about if we bring it a little, a little, a little closer? How about if we bring it right into our world? What about the guy sitting out here today, singing the songs and listening to the message? Who will go home 
today and maybe tonight, maybe sometime this week, late at night, he'll get on his computer when nobody's around and he'll, and he'll venture into websites that he has no business looking at. And you say, well, Clay, do you know something, you know something about us in here that we don't know? I know the statistics. I, th- I know the number of men and women who struggle with pornography. Or, hey, let's not leave teenagers out of it. What about, what about, the, what about the teenager who, who and I'm, I'm, most of them are sitting over here, I'm not pointing just at them, but, we get, but what about the teenager who shows up for youth group every week, but goes to school every day and acts like anybody but a follower of Jesus? Are they, are they walking their talk? Is the, is the guy on the computer, is he walking his talk? Is Josh walking his talk? What, you understand what he's, James is saying, this, no, this cannot be, you can't do this. Stop if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus. Okay, real quickly. Um, in, uh, in John chapter 6, I think it is, Jesus says this. He says, uh, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Now watch this. What's the implication of this? He who follows me, a.k.a. a person that would say, I'm a Christian, or I'm a follower of Jesus, or I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. He who follows me will not say it will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because I'm the light, you'll have the light of life. In other words, that will be your life. Your life will be me, in essence. And then look how uh, Apostle Paul later in the New Testament, Ephesians, he picks up on this idea of of light and darkness that, that Jesus gave us in Ephesians 5. He says, for you were formerly darkness in the natural man. That's how you were, that's how you lived. That's, that, and all of us did, right? Sheesh, if, if, I, if I told you everything that I did before I came to Christ, you'd pass out or walk out. That, that's how you used to be. You used to formerly be in darkness, but now, but now, you are the light in the Lord. Here it is, walk as children of light. If you say it, you've got to display it. It's got to show up in your life. Now, let me say this and we'll close. There is not a person in this room who is perfect. There is not a person on this planet who is perfect. So do not walk out of here thinking that I'm saying, if you let one cuss word slip out, if you go down the the gossip trail just a little bit, if you... uh, put this message on your Facebook post, which really wasn't very nice, but you were just angry and they needed to know how you felt. If you act in some way that is unbecoming of a Christian, don't leave here today hearing me say that you are bound for hell. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what James is saying. Listen, it's not, now listen to me. It's not about being perfect, but it is about being perfected. In other words, if I am genuinely redeemed, the Spirit of God will not not let me get away with that stuff. Y'all know what I'm saying? The Spirit, when you like, you know, let one fly or you you, you say something, does the Spirit of God just boom? Who do you think you are? Say that kind of nonsense. Act in that way. It's not about being perfect, but it is about being perfected. And the Spirit of God works on me and he he says, Chief Clay, that's a really rough edge. We We gotta file that one off. And we got to do this and we got to do that. And, and, and he's working on you. And, and here's, here's what I think James is saying. Listen, if there's no desire in your, uh, in your life 
for this whole faith thing other than, well, I hope, you know, I just want to get out of hell, so I'm going to believe in Jesus. If that's your idea of faith, but it has no impact on, on your conduct and on your speech, and, and no desire for it to affect your conduct or, or your speech, you, you're just, you, okay, I can, I can believe in Jesus and that'll get me out of hell, and heaven's probably going to be pretty cool, and, but here's my whole life, and I'm going to live it as, in any way I can. I'm going to do what's naturally best for me, what's going to bring, bring me the most fame or the most fortune or, or the most uh, women or the most popularity, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do if that. If that's, that's it, what is James saying? It's a lie. It's a lie. It's not real. Because that's not who followers of Jesus are. We're not perfect. Wow. Sheesh. We are not perfect. There's lots of times when we have to go back and say, God, I blew it again. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I reacted. I, I didn't get enough sleep last night. And I, and I was short. And, and my husband said this. And I just ripped into, you know, whatever. Is it, that, that we understand. That's going to happen. We, this side of eternity, we're not perfect. But, but are we desiring? Are we making ourselves available to God and saying, God, make me into the man you want me to be. God, make me into the woman you want me to be. Make me into the husband, the father, the, the, the wife, the, the, the single person. Make me, into the, make me into the career. Make me into whoever you want me to be. Do with me what you want to do. But God, change me because I know in my natural self, man, it's going to be jealousies and, and selfish ambitions and, and evil. It's going to be earthly. It's going to be natural. It's going to be demonic. But God, you said that, that, it, that it can be pure and peaceable and, and, and fruit of this. That's, that's really what James is saying, that it's the fruit. That you'll know, you'll know them by the fruit. Jesus said something very similar. Well, this will close. Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this. He said, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Listen to this is This is incredibly rational thinking. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from brambles. The good person... Not good by the world standards, by the way, but the person that's been redeemed, the good person out of the good treasury of his heart produces good. And the evil person, and not, it doesn't have to be, be Jeffrey Dahmer evil or, or Hitler evil, just the person who does not do what God would desire for them to do. It's evil, it's sin, it's wrong. But the evil person out of his evil treasury produces evil for his mouth speaks from what fills his heart. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then, we, then, 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 then people ought to hear it in what I say and they ought to see it in the way I walk. That's just the reality of being a follower of Christ. Thanks, Pastor. If you've been with us throughout this study in James, you know this idea of faith in action is one that James comes back to time and time again. Both the danger of the tongue and God's expectations for our speech as His children. As Pastor Clay explained today from the second half of chapter 3, James returns again to the emphasis on our walk. A natural person operates from their flesh and produces conduct that is ungodly. But the spiritual person, the person that truly has a relationship with Jesus Christ, they operate from the supernatural power of God that produces works that reflect godliness. If you follow Jesus, your walk and your talk will be different. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. 
Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.